Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The presenting sponsor of this episode of Can We Please Talk is KitCaster. Let me ask you a question out there, listeners. How many times have you listened to Nick and I speak on a topic or have a guest on and you say, I could do that. I could be a guest on a podcast or I could even host my own podcast. And did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your own personal and business brand voice? Let me let you in on a little secret. We all want to feel connected to brands we buy from. And what better way to humanize a brand than through sharing your story on a podcast? You can do that now with KidCaster. It's a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. So if you're an expert in your field, you've got a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with KidCaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. I've worked with them in the past. We booked guests through KitCaster. Thank you and shout out to Mallory and the team out there for helping us. KitCaster is a secret weapon in podcasting for business, folks. I'm telling you right now, and your audience is out there. They're waiting to hear from you. So what are you waiting for? All you got to do right now is go to KitCaster.com backslash CWPT, the initials of this program to apply for a special offer for friends of this show. If you don't feel like typing in that URL and you're in our show notes right now, you can click on the link and it takes you right there. Fill out that form and get started with the good folks over at KitCaster today. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. I am Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. On the program today, we dive inside our show mailbag. Yeah, if you're listening to us today on this holiday weekend, happy Memorial Day. Uh, Nick and I are on a break, uh, but we want to leave you with some content here and go into our show mailbag as Nick and I 
take a look at some of the recent comments people have sent us in do some show corrections we'll talk about a bunch of different topics that uh, listeners of this program have written in and we appreciate the support that we have gotten and nick's gonna weigh in on some comments specifically directed at him we'll get more in that later on um before we actually dive into our episode as nick and i are taping this and you're listening to it on a sunday or monday of the holiday break uh last week obviously another tragedy happened in texas a school shooting that left 21 people dead 19 uh, students two teachers were killed in one classroom at this elementary school in uvalde um in a weird twist of events too the the suspect, I guess, shot his grandmother. Uh, there was reports that she was killed. She's actually still alive as of this taping, then drove to the school, crashed in a ditch that, that led to a commotion that everybody kind of heard outside and led to uh, 911 calls. And then uh, the local police that were already uh, around the school responded to this. And somehow the shooter evaded them, locked himself in a classroom in the school and then was able to kill everybody in the classroom or the majority of people in that classroom. More details are coming out about this shooting as, as the days go on and the investigation continues. President Biden gave some remarks about the tragedy as well, speaking to the American people around 9 p.m. Eastern time. Take a listen real quick to what President Biden said about the tragedy. As a nation, we have to ask when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When, in God's name, we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? It's been 3,448 3, days, 10 years, since I stood up at a high school in Connecticut, a grade school in Connecticut, where another gunman ma massacred 26 people, including 20 first graders at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Since then, there have been over 900 incidents of gunfires reported on school grounds. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Santa Fe High School in Texas. Oxford High School in Michigan. The list goes on and on, and the list grows when it includes mass shootings at places like movie theaters, houses of worship, as we saw just 10 days ago at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. I am sick and tired of it. We have to act. And don't tell me we can't have an impact on this carnage. And so that was the president's comments, uh, as you heard there. Obviously, he was vice president under President Obama when the Sandy Hook shooting happened back in 2012. Uh, I mentioned about Uvalde, the town. It's 85 miles west of San Antonio. Um, you know, this episode, Nick and I, when we were talking about taping this and, you know, giving some space to the holiday break and making it light and really jestful about, you know, what the, some of the letters and the letters, come on, emails and, and tweets we get and TikTok comments that we get for a lot of our content. Um, I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And then as we're taping, literally as we're taping, folks, uh, that this comes across the scroll, this happens in yet another town. And the spaces, and you heard President Obama there, I mean, excuse me, President Biden say there about the towns that this has happened in Oxford, Michigan. We covered that one with a former FBI official. I mean, when, when is enough enough, folks? I mean, when, when, are, when are we legitimately 
going to do something about this. There, I've said this to Nick a bunch of times in our text chain. There is more money in talking about the problem than solving the problem. Nick and I are talking about the problem right now. Other, other podcasts, there's 2.85 million podcasts out there. And some of them, whatever percentage of that are in politics and news and stuff like that. And they'll cover this and they'll have people on and we'll get the griefs and we'll get the sentiments and we'll get just like Nick and I will have people on that cover this, that work in the town. There's nothing. There's nothing. It just continues to illuminate a problem that we all see right in front of our faces. You know, the episode before this was titled 19 equals 199. At the time of that episode, there was 199 mass shootings in this country. There's now been 212. That was literally a week. Ago. That was that was a week ago, Nick. A, a week before before her taping. This is asinine. And my wife today asked me something. I never try to bring personal stuff onto this show. Um, but my wife asked me today, when does this all end? And I said, or like, how how can we secure that our kids would be safe? And I told her, just like I've told Nick and I've told other people, with us moving, leaving this country, it only happens here. It only happens here. Is there violence in other countries? Yes. Is there mass shootings at schools, church? No. It doesn't happen in other countries because other countries have had one incident and then they realize what the problem is and they enact legislation to stop that. That's that's the that's the rub. Um, before we get into our mailbag, Nick, um, again, I turn to you in a, a time of like, I mean, look, you got one in school, you got another one that's about to go to school. My three-year-old's about to enter preschool in the summer right here because uh, school starts a little bit earlier here in Florida. Uh, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm generally nervous. Like one of the things that I looked at when I went to this preschool was how the doors lock, you know, from the inside so that nobody can get in. Like I have to check that. That's ridiculous, man. I, I turn to you, buddy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, before we start taping, I, I put my put my both my kids to bed today uh, and I kind of stayed with them a little longer than I normally do. Um, and I feel a mix of luck, you know, that that they're not among the victims today. And I also feel amount of an amount of guilt to that, that that's the reality um, is this weird form of survivor's remorse that you go through as a parent tonight, if you were one of the fortunate ones uh, to have your children come back home to you. Um, but that's what it's called to, to think of your fellow countrymen as a community. When someone suffers a loss, we all do. And if we thought about that way as a country, I think we'd recognize the need to do something about this problem. Uh, as Mike had put out, um, we are leading the world in this. Um, and there's things we can do about it. You know, I've talked often about education and something I talk about in this show a lot is that, you know, the challenge with talking about education in this country is that it's it's really a local issue. Um, your school district plays a huge role. The state that you live in plays a huge role uh, in terms of curriculum. Um, so when you have a national conversation about education in America, it's it's a very fruitless one because the federal government really lets education, for the most part, be decided uh, policy, you know, by states. That's kind of the situation with guns. Not kind of, it is. So when we look at what just happened in Texas, what happened in New York, what happened in California, um, state by state, you have to look carefully at what laws are in place, 
to prevent these things from happening. As we saw in New York and California, states that we consider blue and left-leaning, what have you, the gun violence is still there. Um, no matter how tough a law you put in place, short of making it incredibly more difficult to access guns, this is going to continue. Um, earlier today, just before tip-off uh, for Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals, um, Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, gave a just an impassioned plea um, that things need to be done, that we, we can't continue to sit and, and do this. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on HR8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. And you brought up the fact that you know, in, in the Senate right now, 50 senators are willing to have this vote, such as Chris Murphy, Democrat in Connecticut, um, who understood firsthand what had happened at Sandy Hook and has been pleading when he at that time was a member of the House of Representatives, now a member of the Senate. In his backyard, this horrifying situation and that we need to do something about it. And he's been screaming that since then and including up until today. And the coach brings up a good point. You know, there are 50 senators who are willing to vote. There are 50 who are not. In this country, the majority of Americans are in favor of, of background checks and stronger gun laws. The problem is that the way our country is designed is that the majority opinion, and again, if you, you know, understand how voting works presidentially, the popular vote don't matter. It's the electoral. It's about the power of individual states. So you know, currently in the Senate, you need 60 votes. And that's not happening anytime soon. So when, you know, Mike, when you ask or when you bring up like the sense of powerlessness, what can we do? Um, there is one thing you can do as a, as a member of this country. There's two, actually. One, take care of yourself. If you need mental health support, get it. This person who committed this atrocity today probably needed it um, and did not seek it out nor was it provided to them. Uh, or Well, I don't know that for certain. Um, the second and maybe the most important vote in the state of Pennsylvania, John Fetterman is running for Senate to take over Pat Toomey's seat. He's going up against very likely Mehmet Oz, uh, Dr. Oz. Um, you bet your ass I'm going to vote for John Fetterman. You also can bet your ass that I'm going to do whatever I can to get John Fetterman elected. In a governor's race, Josh Shapiro goes up against, Mike, you know this person's name, uh, Doug yeah. Mastrano. Um, Josh Shapiro will also get my energy to make sure that he is governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll get into comments in a moment. Um, you know, I can sometimes be labeled as left-leaning, Democrat-favoring, what have you, and I, I tend to lean left. I'm open to admit that. Um, and on this one, 
heavily more so. The Republicans just can't get this one right. And it wasn't always this way, folks. Remember, former President Reagan was one as governor of the state of California put forward an assault rifle ban, at least tougher gun laws. Granted, it was partly because of the fear of the Black Panthers. But we've seen Republicans back this. This current version of the party will not. And as voters, you need to ask yourself, it comes down to kids or guns and where do you stand on that? You know, you feed perfectly into uh, our show for today, which was diving inside the show mailbag, because some of this is kind of interwoven, uh, specifically the comments that we've gotten. So um, listen, the tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, we're going to devote something to it. Um, I want to shout out Lauren Grand from the El Paso Times, who tweeted something today about it uh, because Governor Abbott had said, you know, the, the flags were flying at half staff you know, in Texas for the kids that lost their lives. And she tweeted something. They didn't lose their lives. Okay. They were going to school. They were murdered. And that kind of stuck with me. Uh, uh, you know, L- Lauren, we obviously love your work. And, and, I, and I know our hearts break for the Texas community. It's town about 80 miles, I believe, west of, of San Antonio. Uh, but we're going to get more into that when Nick and I come back from the break uh, about another uh, senseless tragedy in this country. Let's dive into our mailbag, Nick, uh, for the folks out there. So I'm going to read you some comments here. We're going to go one at a time here because there's a couple uh, e- emails we have gotten into the show a bag. And if you want to email us about anything that's on your mind, I mean, I get people that text me all the time about the show, uh, people that hit me up on social media and DMs. But if you want to email us, because we check our email a lot, can we please talk podcast at gmail.com? There's a link in our show notes as well. If you just want to, if you're listening right now, you want to click on that. Uh, the first email we got, now this was about a recent episode, the last episode that just aired for us, Nick, uh, where we played our little uh, you know, hot take game there towards the last segment. This is from Mike in Queens. Uh, and Mike says, <clears throat> I would love for you guys to be a little bit more fair and balanced. And here's an example that he gives. There were two baby formula bills last week. Republicans voted for the one that addresses the current shortage. And we're going to get to that bill in a second but against the one that would have provided the FDA more funding and created more government oversight. Why didn't you mention that? Also, he writes, I am patiently waiting for Nick to go on a rant against any Democrat about anything. Now, the email included a a link to a story from, and the great folks over at the Adirondack, excuse me, Daily Enterprise. Uh, They wrote a great piece actually on the two bills, and it quoted some of the Republicans, specifically Elise Stefanik, who was trying to introduce her own bill as well, which would kind of bypass the stringent laws that uh, kind of block uh, uh, di- uh, imports of uh, baby formula overseas. So I want to take that one first because there's a part t- attributed to you and then there's a part a little bit attributed to me. When we did that segment last week, if you recall, we talked about the three bills that passed in the House uh, with very little to no Republican support. One was about uh, the gas uh, gouging prices at the pump. One was about the domestic terrorism bill that only Adam Kinzinger voted for. And the other one was about the baby formula bill that was introduced because there was two baby formula bills. And we were referring to the one, the Infant Formula Supplement Appropriations Act. That one it would be giving the FDA $28 million in emergency funding. It would improve data collection on formula, and it would fund efforts to prevent fraudulent products from being placed on the shelves. Okay, so it's, a, it's a, almost like a futures bill. Like, hey, we have a crisis right now, an emergency bill. That was the one that approved 414 to 9 in the House. By the way, you can guess 
off the top of your head who the nine Republicans that voted against it. And again, not so much for killing Republicans, but there is a faction of the party that these nine live in, this Freedom Caucus nonsense. Matt Gates voted no for this. Lauren Boebert voted no for this. Louis Gohmert voted no for this. Again, this is this would this is the Access to Baby Formula Act, that the one that passed 414 to 9 that we did not mention in the segment. That would temporarily waive exclusive contracts between states and baby formula manufacturers, and it would allow close to 6 million people enrolled in WIC, if you don't know what that program is, the Women, Infants, and Children program, it would it would allow them to purchase more brands of formula at a discount, only during emergencies, but at least it would provide them the, the opportunity to buy that right now. And then Elise Stefanik was trying to introduce her own bill into the house uh, that she brought up because she's a new mom. Um, Babies Need Formula Now Act with a, with a couple other Republican Congress women, uh, and this one would allow would authorize the FDA to allow the import of baby formula from other countries, and it would temporarily temporarily lift restrictions on infant formula purchase. If you don't know how this works, you know the FDA has stringent you know tests that they pass certain items, but they don't accept the same state standards of safety and regulations from international uh, companies that are equivalent to the FDA. This bill would temporarily, you know, uh, authorize them to be able to allow these imports uh, of this baby formula around the world. Um, So real quick from the show, first off, Mike and Queens, thank you for listening. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for uh, (laughs) um, shooting us a note because that, you know, that takes time and, and, and somebody actually going out of their way to like listen to the show and say, hey, I just wanted to say you guys didn't touch on this bill. And you know what? He's right. Because there was, uh, I'm reading a bunch of different articles from national publications. And the the main story was that bill that narrowly passed, okay, that would have given funding to the FDA. And I didn't even know that there was a second bill that because some of the national publications did not mention it or deprecated it, you know, way further down in a, in a seven, eight page article. So there is something to that, that, you know, you send a link to a local paper, the Adirondack, right? Like I'm getting my news now from a local paper of which, you know, she represents that, that town and County. And, and that's where the, the, the source of news is coming from, as opposed to I'm over on political on the Hill and they're mentioning it like I mentioned, way down at the bottom. So there's an apology for that, for sure. We probably should have mentioned the second bill. Um, I would say, though, as a retort, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. It's still broken. Elise Stefanik uh, is not the person I would trust right now in the hands of any sensible legislation on anything. The election was stolen to her. President Biden's not a legitimate president. Uh, you know, she has also championed this replacement theory thing with recent tweets that that her spokesperson had to walk back. Uh, and as a brown person, that drives me nuts. And so I would say, you know, at least broken clock right twice a day here. Like you don't get you don't get credit for being right at 7 p.m. when the clock's broken. Um, so that's the only thing I would say about that. And then the other part I would say is we didn't talk about that bill because, again, we were only mentioning the three headline bills. And I I did mention in the segment that the domestic terrorism one was the one that I was more aggravated about. Like we just saw a shooting in Buffalo and only one freaking Republican, you know, a former guy who served in the military, you know, votes for it and nobody else votes for it. Like we can't even get, we can't even agree on that type of stuff. And you heard from President Biden just talking about the the school shooting that happened in Texas. We can't get, you know, you got 50 people right now that are ready to do something. The other 50 are not. Uh, Nick, your takeaways on the first email here that we'll go through in the mailbag uh, uh, from from Mike in Queens. 
I feel like we should do this in like one minute <laughs> segments because we have a <laughs> no, bunch of no, comments no, to go no. through. This is the uh, yeah. No, I no. For, first and foremost, to Mike and Queens, and I'll say this to everyone who who's um you know posted a comment for this episode. Thank you, thank you very much for listening. Uh, to Mike specifically, Mike in Queens, um, thank you for holding us accountable. Mike brings up a good point. I think that is a that's there's an important other side to that that's that's worth discussing as it relates to the role of the FDA and regulation here because that is part of what happened with Abbott Labs. You know the what was going on with them is what partly is leading to a shortage in the country. Um, I think it's important to to acknowledge it. Uh, I will say though that the idea of being fair and balanced. Um, you Mike, please just take a moment, look through our roster of guests. Honestly, look through the outlets that they come through um, and and come back to us and tell us if you feel that we are you know, leaning in one direction or the other. Uh, and in general, fair and balance is just a awful phrase that basically is a lie from, from the Fox News Network, at least from you know, the hours of 8 to 10. So don't parrot that. You're better than that, Mike. Seriously, your, your message points out that you're an intelligent person. So be smart about it, man. And as far as uh, Stefanik... Um, yeah, I'm not taking any shit she says seriously. Uh, if you're going to be a Jan Sixer, you can kiss my ass. I don't, I don't care what you have to say because that's a huge cloud that hangs over you. And I, it's very hard for me to take anything seriously from someone who thinks the election was stolen. Fair and balanced right there. You just got no. No, but in all seriousness, as someone who used to say that phrase jokingly when I worked at Fox News, uh, it is true. I will, again, I give credit to Mike and Queens because he is right. Should have mentioned the other bill. Didn't even know it was happening. You know, again, we go through vetting these uh, articles and where we're pulling this content from. Nick, you wanted to chime in one more. Yeah, Mike, had, uh, Mike and Queens had, <laughs> uh, had asked, you know, do I go after or was waiting for a moment for me to go after Democrats about anything? Uh, and what I would say, Mike, is that uh, I would ask you to pay attention to, to some of the, our earlier episodes when we talked about uh, Democratic messaging, uh, which has been a huge problem because I do think there are par- places where the party, such as guns, get this right. Their problem has always been that they suck at messaging. Um, and for anyone, any of our guests, for anyone, listeners, what have you, I'd honestly say you can go back to reading about the campaigns from 1968 till now. Um, there's a really good book by Lawrence O'Donnell about the campaign of 1968 that really talks about the role of Nixon and Roger Ailes uh, and that relationship of what that has done for the Republican Party since then. And actually, Mike has a great book over his shoulder, Reaganland, yep. um, that dives into it, too. So, yeah, I'm I, I'm open about the fact that I do lead a little left on this program and in, in life in general. Um, and that's only because the current version of the Republican Party makes it very hard to to lean in that direction this version, I would say. We're going to get into my political leanings in a bit because it's kind of interweaves into uh, uh, somebody on a social media comment. And that, that'll be our fourth uh, email in the, in the bag here. Let's go to our second one. We kind of touched upon this one, Nick, uh, when we had Lauren via grant on from the El Paso Times. I just mentioned her. We did the episode about the border and some articles that she recently wrote about everything happening at our southern border. And this was from from Pete in, in New York as well, up in, up in Westchester County. And he wrote, and I've read this to you uh, on a subsequent episode. We touched upon it a little bit, but I wanted to bring it back because there was more that, that uh, kind of got left out of that. He said, um, after uh, listening to your episode, um, you guys mentioned the term white Europeans when discussing refugees. 
If you remember, Nick, you mentioned that because I don't know if people know this, like over 90% of Ukrainians are white and they're the ones that are currently refugees right now, right? Uh, He said, the phrasing of your questions and the early tonality of the woman responding seems quite partisan. Have you guys looked into the buses trolling groups of people to unknown locations from the airport in Westchester? That was a reference to that New York Post article that we mentioned on the show. Uh, let's take a couple things there because Pete, first off, thank you for listening uh, to the program. Um, let's 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 break apart a little bit of this. I, I mentioned this on that episode when we kind of did a little retort on this. Um, Lauren Villagran, I mean, again, fantastic journalist, lives on the border, covers the border. Ten, she said it on the episode. I could I could drive to Mexico right now while we're on the phone, and I'll be there in in, in ten minutes. Um, I don't find her to be partisan at all, specifically when she's talking about statistics and interviews with CBP agents and border officials and governors from Mexico and the U.S. If you find that to be partisan in nature, you need to get your ears checked because she's giving you stats and facts and information that she reports in articles uh, for a mass publication. Well, she's under a mass publication umbrella, but covering it locally. So uh, get your ears checked is what I would say. Let's start there. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that when we're talking about white Europeans uh, with the Ukrainians, again, large majority of Ukrainians are white. Like we've, th- there's been <laughs> a video. I don't know if anyone saw this early on when there was a few black Ukrainians. If you remember that video, Nick, trying to leave the country, and then everyone was like, "There's black people in the Ukraine." And then we people looked up the percentage of how many uh, you know uh, black Ukrainians live in Ukraine. And it's a very small percentage. So I don't think Nick was far off when he was talking about that. The correlation he was making was media coverage of refugees leaving war-torn countries in Arab nations, et cetera, et cetera, versus the coverage that Ukraine is getting. And we spoke about that on the show, playing a couple clips from a CBS News correspondent and an NBC News correspondent, both giving very big Freudian slips on air when talking about this. So uh, I don't I don't understand, Pete, your white Europeans thing. Um, and again, I shoot down Lauren Villagrand. She is not partisan. And then the last thing was about you know, the crisis at the border overall and about this secret migrant flights that the New York Post was reporting on that, again, we're not giving any credence to because no other outlet has been covering these secret flights. You know, the the White House has said that any of these flights that happen to these county airports are transporting unaccompanied minors to vetted sponsors or relatives with whom they will await the outcome of their immigration proceedings. And even in the New York Post's article, they followed like eight or nine Kids, it could be like ranging from ages like eight to 18, a couple of adults that got dropped off at different location points. So in total, it's maybe like 10 to 15 people that got dropped off at different locations. Okay. And again, the White House has said, these are for people waiting outcome of their immigration uh, you know, proceedings. Is that a big deal? You, you want me to give attention to 10 people that kind of look like me getting dropped off at Westchester County Airport at 9 p.m. on a routine flight? Come on, man. I can't do it. Sorry. Grew up in Westchester, uh, you know, have flown, flown in and out of the airport. I'm not going to give credence to that. I'm, I'm just not. I'm just not. What's the insinuation there? I would say to Pete in Westchester, write back and can we please talk podcast at gmail.com. Tell me what the insinuation is there, that these people look like me and that's a problem. Come on. I'm not, I'm not playing that shit. Uh, Nick, your, your takeaways on, on Pete uh, in, in Westchester here and his, his comments on the show and uh, the tonality. Is that a word? Is tonality a word? Tonality, tonality is a word. Okay. Um, yeah, no, similar to um, Mike and Queens. Thank you, of course, for listening to the show. You know, it's interesting when people say we're partisan because what that really speaks to is confirmation bias. 
because you're hearing something that doesn't connect to your, that doesn't, uh, it doesn't agree with your worldview. Therefore, what you're hearing, or at least the way you perceive it, therefore must be partisan. If we had said something that did subscribe or connected to your worldview that you agreed with, partisan is probably not the word you're using. So, so Pete, I don't necessarily think you're approaching this objectively. Um, my reference to white Europeans is an interesting thing. And I did, I was reading this a little bit last night. When you look at an ethnographic breakdown of Europe, when you talk about minorities, it is interesting percentage-wise how this all shakes out. Using the word white is a, is a funny thing, and, and it's endemic of me as an American, um, because it's for me as an American, it's hard to not view a lot of the way our our country operates without the lens of race, because it plays such a significant role in the development of this country and structurally kind of how it exists right now. And to say white in this country is to ignore the fact that people, white people, made up of Europeans predominantly. Um, so that there is no such thing as white. Now, black, by contrast, same thing, really comes down to a skin color. And there's been people who've talked about the construct of race in America and how that's played a role um, in just basically how everything has shaken out in terms of American history. I say all this to say the fact that what I was speaking to there in that moment is the fact that what we're seeing is people of a darker skin tone, skin tone being pushed aside and moved out of their current residency in favor of people with a lighter skin color. When I see that, it is going to bring to mind, why is it that this particular group of people is now getting preferential treatment over in terms of providing space for refugees over people who are currently there? Both people are coming from or are in pursuit of asylum be it from Afghanistan or Ukraine. And as Mike had mentioned, there were a couple of clips that were just jarring about journalists that had slips that basically were trying to say that we don't, you know, we, we don't expect these kinds of atrocities in white countries. Right. And that's that to me is triggering because you're basically saying that, oh, you, you, you dark colored people, and this is kind of what you do. It's like, okay, well, you're telling on yourself. Um you know, lastly, with regards to the with regards to the bus and that situation, uh, I echo Mike. Mike, I can't say anything saying any better than Mike. You know, if that had been a bus of you know people lighter skinned coming off that bus, is this a story? Is this being reported by New York Post? Probably not. And Pete, ask yourself this question as you listen to the segment: Why would it be that we would pay so much attention to a particular bus with people of a certain skin tone coming off? The presenting sponsor of this episode of Can We Please Talk is Athletic Greens. Nick, athleticgreens.com. Now, come on. Everybody knows you've talked about it on the show, how good it is, how it's helped you. You're looking lean, mean for the people watching on YouTube. Tell them about how Athletic Greens has been helping you. Yeah, uh, I've, I'm now about... I think a little a week and a half into my subscription. So it comes in great packaging, by the way, the colors, the logo, they, they get this right. Um, in addition to that, I got Mike's going to probably talk about this in a moment, but travel packs, you know, it's easy mm -hmm. enough to get the bag, but the bag is what I'll talk about here. Got a great bag. It's about 30 days supply, one scoop, 12 ounces of water, shake it up in the bottle that they'll provide you and you will feel fantastic. I'm at a point now where I don't start my day without it. And they recommend start on an empty stomach. So as soon as I get downstairs, while the coffee water's brewing, and you know how I feel about coffee. We do. I'm pounding my athletic greens, feeling supercharged. Coffee just gets me straight. And I'm, I'm good to start my day. I can't, I can't start my day without it, Mike. 
Nick loves Athletic Greens. We love Athletic Greens here. One delicious scoop of AG1, and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right, just like Nick mentioned. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, the energy that you have throughout the day, folks, recovery, focus, aging, all of these things with one scoop, just one scoop, Nick, of AG1. Uh, Listen, folks, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. No need for these different pills and supplements that you're looking out for your health. You don't need that. Athletic Greens has got you covered. And by the way, to make it easy, for being a listener of Can We Please Talk, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash emerging. You don't want to go to that? Click the link in our show notes. That'll take you right to there. It's time to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well said. Uh, let's give a good one here because this one, this one kind of moved me a little bit, Nick. And I know uh, when we had Deepa Shivram on NPR's political reporter talking about, um, you know, the abortion draft opinion release from Justice Alito, uh, this kind of stuck, you know, with me. Um, this this email we got from Nina in Minneapolis. She wrote in about the episode. She said, um, "I had a traumatic experience at age seventeen where I was attacked and sexually assaulted." If I had gotten pregnant, I can't imagine at that age having to give birth to a baby off of that attack, especially since my attacker was someone known to my family who was trusted. There's already enough shame in that for women that have had that happen to them. Listening to your episode has helped me cope with this better and maybe will help me speak out about it one day and maybe even tell my family. Um, and and then, you know, they went on to write that Deepa was was great. The guest that we had on was great. Um to Nina, you know, first and foremost, um, could not be more apologetic for what happened to you early on in your formative years. Um, you know, I, I mean, we've been saying thoughts and prayers about all these things, but Jesus Christ, man. I mean, I, I don't know what I would go through as somebody raising two little girls um, and, and something like that happened. And like she mentioned, hasn't told her family. So I don't know the context of if her parents even know, but, um, you know, we mentioned it before, like talk about that with somebody. I'm glad that the episode was therapeutic for you. And, um, you know, it's, it's a topic that we're going to be talking about more. You know, we have political strategists that are going to be coming on the program in the coming uh, weeks, months, candidates that, that are running for key positions. And this is going to be a topic for the midterms, specifically around abortion care, right. And healthcare and, you know, for women, Right. And women's rights and the, the, the ability to choose what you want to do with your body. So, we're, you know, we're going to devote more coverage and attention to that. So thank you for listening and writing that in and sharing your story. Uh, Nick, do you have anything on on Nina that, that I didn't uh, summarize so eloquently? <laughs> no, I, I thought you did. Um, you know, of course, thank you for listening. Uh, I think anytime our show sparks conversation, um, it's appreciated. It is. That is the DNA of this show. It was our it was our mission when we launched it, which was to focus or to prompt intelligent conversations and um, introduce all of us to people who know what they're talking about. Uh, you know, Nina, to to what you've experienced, I echo Mike's sentiments of, of being sorry, but at the same time, um, I appreciate your bravery, just being open with what's gone on uh, and what this, that 
episode um, helped you through. I hope your your journey for healing continues. Uh, honestly, keep reaching out to the show. Um, if it's a part of if if listening to this program is a part of that healing, that's that's awesome. That means a lot to us. Um, but what means more is the fact that you're you're giving voice to something that's happened to you, and and you're on your way to confronting it, trying to to overcome it. Um, it's a it's a testament to to the best that that all of us can do. So Nina, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. All right, now let's get into the absurdities, Nick, because those are emails <laughs> that come into the inbox. But on okay. social media, and again. I would love for people you're listening out there, follow us on IG, Can We Please Talk podcast, on Twitter at Can We Please Talk, leave off the E on please. And then on TikTok at Can We Please Talk podcast, because sometimes we post these clips uh, on social media to get a lot of views and the comments that follow uh, are just sometimes insane. So we're going to run through, yeah, we're going to run through these pretty quickly because, and especially on YouTube as well, because remember, YouTube comments. Everybody knows the the rabbit hole of YouTube comments, but let's let's get into um, real quickly social media comments. This was an exchange that somebody on Twitter. By the way, they deleted this post since then. It was about three tweets that you know we went back and forth on Twitter with them about after we had Fox News correspondent Trey Yanks on the podcast. Uh, the tweets called us uh, a Rupert Murdoch show. Why would any self respecting show talking about us have a Fox News correspondent on? Uh, there was a tweet that said there's blood on our hands for even having him on the program. And then there, and then a final tweet was a picture of Murdoch with like some underage girls or something like that. And it said, whatever helps you sleep at night. All these tweets have been subsequently deleted by this person. When I went back to check this morning to, uh, to actually pull these comments, um, I want to address that real quick because I, now with the school shooting that just happened, I was texting Nick prior to us taping. CNN has on, you know, a law enforcement official from the area. MSNBC has a law enforcement official on the program. And this is, remember, this is around eight o'clock primetime. President Biden's about to speak. So who's on at Fox on primetime? Eight o'clock, Tucker Carlson. Who does Tucker have on the show? Jeanine Pirro. I, I mean, you know, there's a part of me, and I've said this before, and I'll say this again for people that maybe didn't listen to that episode. I thoroughly enjoyed my time working at Fox News from 2004 to 2006. I did. I actually did. I learned what I am putting in practice today, which is not only video editing, but producing news segments, shows, guest booking. I have a template that I used back then to invite people on the program that that is why we get guests on this show. Yes, obviously, I am known somewhat throughout the industry on, on the back end of this, but that doesn't change the fact that the styling and the template that I use to get people to come onto this program, I learned in those days. I learned how to copyright. I learned how to write articles, headlines. And this was not when you're driving for clickbait, right? Because the internet was still in its infancy stages. Um, so I'm appreciative of my time there. Since then, in the last few years, I have mentioned this on the show. I have been in talks, discussions. They've reached out about coming back to run digital portions of you know Fox Nation and other parts of the business in production. And I have struggled with it. And, and my wife and I have had this conversation. And it's because of the man that's on at eight o'clock at night. And to a lesser extent, the 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. people that are on the show, because the 9 p.m. person I know well, that, that doesn't bother me as much because I know where that person's intentions are and that person's pot committed, right? The graphics are already built, blah, 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 blah. But he doesn't go to the level that the APM person does. The APM person 
uh, is a danger to American democracy and society. And in the court of law at 8 p.m., they have said that that guy is a jester and no one with a sensible mind would listen to him. And you can read the court findings from that lawsuit that happened against Tucker Carlson. So I struggle because there's content in the primetime hours that when I was working there was not like that. Bill O'Reilly did interview, again, outside of Bill O'Reilly's you know, sexual assaults and whatever he's been accused of, settled out of court with, signed NDAs with, outside of all that, Bill O'Reilly interviewed President Obama numerous times. He's interviewed other world leaders. Like, what it, say what you want. Bill O'Reilly and Tucker Carlson, maybe now Bill O'Reilly is moving to that direction, but he was not viewed as Tucker Carlson. He was a news guy coming over from ABC News. He worked at Hard Copy, right? That, that famous show, if you remember back in the day, if you're old enough to remember on Fox. Um, so he was a reputable news person. Greta, Vas- Greta Van Susteren was on at 10 p.m. Greta has been across the news spectrum from CNN, HLN. She's a journalist, on-air talent. Again, no political leanings with Greta. I mean, you could watch her on ABC now, probably if she's on HLN or ABC, I forget which one she's on now, but she's been across the media spectrum. And then at nine o'clock, Hannity was not his same version of himself because he had a Democrat on the show, Alan Combs, before he passed away in 2007. So it's a different primetime block. It's a different message. There was a Republican president at the time, right? George W. Bush. So there's not much to complain about in the conservative ecosystem when your guy's leading, right? And then also at the time, Fox had launched the election desk, which was seen as groundbreaking and, and, and being able to call races early on and give them the leg up against competition. It's a different time now. And I struggle because I want to have people on from that network that I trust and like, and I know are doing great jobs. You and I have talked about this, about the, their Pentagon correspondent and inviting her on the program and how good she is. Uh, Jennifer, shout out to you. I know you listened to the program. And and we had Trey on. I told you how much of, of a fan I am of Trey and what he has done in this industry. And, and we have a, a, a couple more contributors that are Fox News contributors coming on this program that are booked for the coming weeks. But I struggle because the man at eight o'clock is is a danger, in my opinion, is a, is a danger to everything that is happening subsequently that we've covered on this show from school shootings to what he says at night. And, and there's 3.2 million people that every night sit down with coffee, with maybe a, a bowl of cereal, whatever it is, and they're hanging on every word that this guy's doing. And some of them are putting it into practice and we're losing lives because of it. So I struggle because there's a danger in that. And so that guy, that person on social media, whatever, if that was a real person, bot, I don't know, because they're now deleted. Um, there's no blood on our hands. I wouldn't go that far. And, but I will say is that there has been a clear division between news and opinion. And I try my hardest to vet the people that we have on from that network, because I want to keep it, you know, not only uh, fair and balanced back to that original quote, but having somebody on that I know I trust. I know what I want to hear. I know what I'm looking at because I have produced it at a straight news clip. And I know that the people that we have on on our network are not the ones that are going to give you a bad vantage point. They're going to give you the facts and information, or they're going to give you their experiences because they've worked in government XYZ. Uh, Nick, your takeaways on that social media comment real quick before we dive into the last few ones here on YouTube, because there's some crazy conspiracy ones that we've gotten on YouTube that are pretty funny. Yeah, um, I experienced a challenge there too. Uh, I've talked about, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, that book by Lawrence McDonald about the um, you know, 1968 election. 
and and really the advent of Roger Ailes, you know, um, the beginnings of concert of conservative media or of conservative slant, uh, slant in media, and then basically perpetuating it into the Fox News Channel, which really was a direct response to um, the the Clinton administration. Um, but what I've learned on the show in talking with you know folks like Mike Emanuel, uh, Marie Harf, um, is that there are people at that channel that are that are doing worthy uh, reporting. Um, and it's really important that I think we're honest with ourselves about what's happening with primetime television uh, on Fox, CNN, MSNBC. And it's really it really boils down to partisanship. You know, Pete from Westchester accused us of that. And and I'll bring it back to this space. Um, regardless of your political leanings, you know, what you're seeing in the primetime hours is essentially professional wrestling. Uh, and I'll go one step further and talk about Tucker for a minute uh, for anyone who's um, who's watched Tucker Carlson on television, the version of him now is somewhat different than what we saw previously, you know, on Crossfire on CNN uh, years ago. Um, and I think what we've seen is similar to Sean Hannity. There is a level of pot commitment. I really love that term. Uh, it's a great poker analogy and it works very much here. These are folks who say things that continue to grow an audience that they don't necessarily believe. Mike and I have talked about this at length. I'll bring it back here. You know, Tucker's very critical about vaccines. Guess what? He got one. Um, everyone who's working inside the offices at Fox have a vaccine. Uh, so he's full of shit there. But, you know, these people entertain, they say they are demagogues, say all kinds of hateful stuff that stirs um, stirs the pot for people who do truly believe this. Um, the shooter that we saw that we learned about in Buffalo um subscribes to a theory about replacement about uh, you know uh replacement theory and these are the kinds of folks that Tucker Carlson likes to court now the network that he's at does not rein him in and that's an internal struggle between Mur Rupert Murdoch and his kids actually and if you're a fan of the show succession by the way that's basically fox news being played out in drama so I've had to learn to better understand the individual people at the network. And I imagine that they all go through some form of soul seeking as well, making, recognizing the deal that they're making, working at an organization that has someone like Tucker Carlson, but conversely also has someone like Mike Emanuel, uh, someone like Chris Wallace, you know, one of my favorite programs in terms of uh, media discussions actually was on Fox News. It was actually Saturday afternoons at 5 p.m. Now, why, why am I watching television at 5 p.m. on Saturday about news programming or like news study? It's because I'm a journalism wonk. That's, that's what I do. Um, I forget the name of the program now, but I remember the panel. I think Chris Wallace might have been the moderator of it, actually. Far better, far better than reliable sources or whatever Brian Stelter's show on CNN and CNN is, which would I, I will argue is a pile of shit. Um, but Fox has its issues, and that's there's no question there. Uh, to be extreme and say that you know the reporting, what's going on is blood in our hands, is um, is too foolish for me to really meaningfully respond in any intelligent way other than to say thank you for listening. Yeah. Listen, and for the people listening out there to say, hey, well, how come you guys don't criticize CNN that much? I mean, we have. We've talked about Brian Stelter's show, as, as Nick so eloquently put it there. Uh, I will not echo those words. I, I mean, I do think the show is a pile of crap, but um, there's good programming on, on CNN at times here and there. And they're, they have journalists that are, are pretty good in terms of correspondence. And then they have ones that are, I think are really bad. 
Uh, and, and we've mentioned the ones that we think are really bad. The problem is, is that not that many people watch CNN and MSNBC. We've given you the numbers of linear ratings of those two networks combined. Most people watch the other guys, the guys on Fox News channel. And the problem is, is that Fox News loves doing this. The media is going to, the media is going to, the media is going to, hey, you are the media. Most people watch you. You can't play underdog when more people watch you than the other two combined. You can't do that. And they love doing that. Drives me nuts. But again, I struggle with this internally because the reason why I talk about Fox the most, and we don't blame, and by the way, other other shows will do this where they blame Fox. Fox is the root of all this. No, no, they're not. No, you know, they're not. They became a popular forum and a vehicle for some of this, but they're not they're not the the beginning of this. I would argue that it's what you mentioned, right? The guy who started it, right? The guy who gave fodder to politicians. Uh, and, and there's been studies and research stuff done on this. I know you want to chime in one more on that because you, you, your, your ears perked up there. Yeah, the I, I want to be real clear with listeners here. Fox isn't the start of this. This goes back to the origins of the far right. This goes back to the Klan. This goes back to anyone who subscribes to beliefs that you know our systems are developed in a way that's meant to promote equality. Maybe in a better place now, but historically, inequity is kind of built into the DNA of this country. And that's the battle that we're all trying to grapple with when it comes from our founding fathers to the politicians that are in office today to put this all on Fox News and even Roger Ailes is to do te- is to give testament to someone who doesn't really deserve it. Uh, no different than Rush Limbaugh. Um, these arguments have been coming up way before Fox News. Fox is weaponized and managed to help put it on television at certain times of the day. But please don't fool yourself and think that the beginning and end of the far right rhetoric begins with um, the news channel. To do that is to do a disservice to any historian who can easily chart back from reconstruction how we are at the place we are, which side note, you should go listen to our episode from Eric Foner, who kind of dives into this. That's right. One of the early episodes too, I think 20 episode 22 or something like that. Uh, real quick, one person on YouTube, when we had Lyle Clement from G zero media talking about, you know, his article about what, what do Russians really know about this war? Somebody wrote, why do you guys use CNN as a source for anything? Haven't you heard of Russia gate? What about Hunter's non-laptop? You talk about Russian propaganda. How many American rights were lost since COVID? I don't recall a president being censored and spied on before or during his presidency. Nick is shaking his head. No comment on that as we get ready to go. Um, we got a few ones on the Olivia Troy episode. Somebody uh, wrote in the comments, Rhino, just in big, bold letters. Uh, me and my wife were laughing, by the way, the other day. How come nobody ever says Dino? for Democrats in name only. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Harry Enten, when we had the the senior data analyst for CNN, uh, Harry breaks down everything election polling wise. This guy knows numbers off the top of his head and, and is doing it right now. If you watch them in the morning, um, he always come on to talk about primaries that are happening right now across states. Somebody wrote in the comments, his latest podcast is one of the episodes is focused on ghost. I think you guys should be looking elsewhere for a scientific approach. Uh, Harry does have a podcast that focuses on data around other subjects that are not news. So just so sort of background and context there. Uh, Scott in Michigan wrote in about us having too many extreme people on the program like Brian Tyler Cohen and Roland Martin. And we've never had either of those people on the program. So Scott, uh, thank you for not listening to the show because we've never had 
either of those people on. I know who Brian Tyler Cohen is. He hosts No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen, but Roland Martin, I, I, I think I know who he is, but I'm not really sure. Um, Rick in New York says, uh, can we trade Nick in for an athletic greens pack? Uh, I would rather have that. Can we get, can I get a discount on that? I thought you would uh, laugh at that. Nick, uh, takeaways on Rick uh, saying that. Thanks for listening and definitely buy athletic greens, uh, far healthier than me. Um, and kiss my ass too while you're at it. Right. Uh, listen folks, uh, as we wrap here, you know, we couldn't do it without you. Please keep writing us. Can we please talk podcast at gmail.com audio podcast platforms, wherever there's a review section, leave us a review five stars or better please but write how you truly feel we want to get the feedback and we'll read it on air we're approaching almost 100 episodes close to two and a half years that nick and i have been doing this program and we couldn't do it without you guys and gals that listen to us each and every week and give us the support the text messages the emails i want to quickly shout out one in particular i recently got a text message from an old boss of mine dion if you're listening to this uh formerly at hbo and she said i'm super proud of you you guys are doing a great job in terms of what you're covering and i just never knew you had this in you which is not true because she's the one who told me in 2011 something to the effect of you have an innate ability to get people to listen to you and so she was not wrong and this podcast is is a byproduct of that so dion i love you and thank you for supporting the show and to my current boss right now who who listens to this podcast too she's been inc- uh, incredibly supportive in terms of what the topics that we cover and the range etc cetera, etc cetera. so thank you to the people at educate llc the people at that's performed to listen to this podcast nick and i's jobs respectively uh we will be back in the coming weeks with some new episodes like i mentioned we've got a, a few political strategists coming on the program we have a journalist friend that's coming on the program that just had something really bad happen to him that the dod apologized for more on that if you haven't heard about that you look up idris ali uh, on reuters and what happened to him recently on a pentagon flight uh but we're gonna have some great shows coming for you guys enjoy the rest of your memorial day weekend and please please stay safe as always i am mike leon grateful for you all for listening whether you agree with us or not uh and i echo mike um be safe. Be kind to each other. Please, we all need it. I'm Nick Saveri. Have a good one, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 